0: Welcome to the Made of Savannah podcast. I'm your host Dee Daniels. Made of Savannah is a creative production of Corcoran Austin Hill Realty, serving Savannah since 1978. And the Made of Savannah podcast is brought to you by Savoy Society, colleagues and lovers, and the Savannah Cabaret. You know, some people have a dream home. Some people have 10 dreams about buying property in 10 different places. At Corcoran Austin Hill Realty, we always want you to live who you are, wherever and whatever that dream looks like. You hear businesses talking sometimes about how long they have served a city, but do you ever stop and wonder if they mean that's how long they've been in business there? Or do they really mean that's how long they've served that community? Corcoran Austin Hill Realty truly serves Savannah. Yes, I mean the region, but I really mean the people, the history, the business developers, the nonprofits all communities, all backgrounds, the buyers, the sellers, the investors, the mom and pop shop owners, the first time home seekers, the young, the matured, and we've been doing it serving you since 1978. Corker and Austin Hill Realty sits beautifully at the corner of Liberty and Bull Streets in historic Savannah, home of the Made of Savannah podcast studios and home to a huge group of people ready to serve you. 251 Bull Street, Savannah. Stop in, ask questions, see local artists at Location Gallery, and check out available listings at CorcoranAHR.com. Welcome to the Made of Savannah podcast. I'm your host, Dee Daniels. I am absolutely thrilled to welcome my next guest here on this episode. She's a writer. She's a historian. She's a preservationist, a sustainability advocate, She's a voice for environmental justice and human rights. She's also Oceana's Georgia senior field representative. And she really is one of the most interesting and beautiful people I've had the privilege to meet. I'm thrilled to welcome her to this podcast, Hermina Glass Hill. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me, Dee. This is an honor to sit down with you <laughs> and, and chat with you about so many things and. I, I really want to talk about some big moments that have happened uh, here in Savannah, especially, mm-hmm. but really not. It's not just about Savannah. It's it's about everywhere else, too. Uh, one of those big moments happened not that long ago, February 10th, uh, Susie King Taylor and yes. the square. And I want to talk about that in just a moment. But before we dig into that, which I know is such a huge uh, purpose and passion for you. Um, one of the things with your work with Oceana, um, you have been such an advocate and a voice for um, so so much of our marine life, but also especially the right whale. And you know, we have seen some things recently, uh, especially with the numbers going way way down, mm-hmm. and and even as of recent, having a whale. Uh, struck and killed. Yeah. And and I'd love for you to talk about that a little bit before we dive into Susie King-Taylor.
1: Yeah. So I'm still kind of emotional about this colossal loss of another life, um, marine life. It's a, It was a one-year-old North Atlantic right whale, 30 feet in length, that was um, struck off the coast of Tybee Island. It's not been determined whether it was a container ship, cargo ship or a recreational vessel, but it has been determined that it was a pretty large vessel that struck this infant or juvenile whale and killed it instantaneously. Now these whales travel with their mothers to nurse and um, just 10 days prior to being struck by whatever kind of vessel it was, this whale was seen off the coast of Florida, happy and free mm. and frolicking with her mother and doing water somersaults in the ocean. And um, 10 days later, she's dead. Mm. So needless to say, those of us who are in ocean conservation, marine biodiversity, we're really, really saddened by this. In my role as a senior field representative at Oceano, one of my campaigns, um, among four campaigns, is the North Atlantic Right Whale well campaign. And that campaign is about urging our government to protect this critically endangered uh, marine mammal There are approximately 456 of them left in the world, and they are threatened and at risk from entanglement in fishing gear and vessel strike or boat strike. Um, The scientific evidence points to if these vessels on the water slow down to approximately 10 knots per hour, or that equates to 11 and a half miles per hour, that this would give these, the species an opportunity to recover Mm -hmm. from the collision. Because most of the time the collision causes serious internal trauma as what happened to, you know, this young juvenile whale and her mother um, her mother's name is Pilgrim. And um, we're really saddened by this. And this really leads us to um, really advocate for immediate policy change in regard to um, this specific endangered well that's protected under, under the Marine Mammal Protection Act and the Endangered Species Act. Uh, Right now in Congress, um, NOAA had proposed, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration had uh, created a proposal that vessels 35 feet and longer should slow down in slow zones where North Atlantic right whales are active. For us, these whales are active during the winter between November and April, and uh, the slow zones in the Northeast are, are different because the whales actually travel between the St. Lawrence or the Bay of Fundy in Canada down the East Coast all throughout the year. Um, but for us, they travel, they're here migrating. And, and this is a critical habitat. We live in a crit- critical habitat mm-hmm. for, for this uh, particular species um, because it's here that they have their babies, that they nurse their babies. And so, um, nine times out of 10, um, when these wells are here, they're nursing. And the, the rule, the vessel speed rule that requires a vessels to slow down. Initially, it was a larger vessel, 65 feet and longer. But now we know that any kind of vessel that is speeding will cause uh, a collision that will lead to almost instant death right and so the new vessel speed rule is that vessels 35 feet and and longer so that includes some recreational vessels right. and there's opposition to this as well because as you know savannah port is one of the busiest ports in our country um these uh whales traverse the shipping lanes leading up to the savannah river and the port um, but these whales have been coming here long before humans were uh, were, were here, and uh, for hundreds and thousands of years before. But there is a way that we can cohabitate and be in harmony with nature by respecting the the species, the whales, and slowing down. And so that's where we are with this whale uh, on the desk of our president. And the um, secretary of the Department of Commerce, Gina Raimondo, is the proposal to create slow zones and speed uh, vessels for vessels to slow down to 10 right. knots with vessels 35 feet and right. longer. And um, that's where we are with that. And this situation with Pilgrim's daughter uh, being killed by a vessel shows us that we need to really be urging our government, our president and, uh, um, the, the secretary to, um, go ahead and implement, um, the new vessel speed rule.
0: You know, I, I can't help, but think about during times like this, that, you know, number one, I think about how low does the number have to get before a big action is, is made. And then number two, you know, I know You have been on the front line um, talking in person to our representatives, to the politicians. You've been to D.C., Mm -hmm. you've been to Atlanta, you've Mm -hmm. been you've been all over the place having Mm -hmm. these conversations and and you've been having them for a while. Mm -hmm. And when this happens, when Pilgrim's daughter is struck and killed, you know, just days ago, are Mm -hmm. you disheartened by the. Do you feel defeated in the fight? Where, 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 where's your feeling with all of that? I'm saddened by it and devastated
1: by it, um, but I'm ready for uh, good trouble. Mm. Um, we continue the fight uh, because um, we are a country of laws, and the bedrock laws for endangered animals is the Endangered Species Act and the Marine Mammal Protection Act and the North Atlantic right whales have been in danger for quite some time. Mm -hmm. So at the very least, enact the laws um, that we have on um, the books in our country. And then because we believe in good science, we understand that um, this science-based approach to conservation is very important. Um, This is what will um, help protect the whales, and give them an opportunity to restore their population and to thrive. And that's what anybody would want. Right. And I go back to Pilgrim's daughter thriving off the coast of Florida. I mean, the videos of her just flipping and enjoying herself and, um, and, and not even knowing what her fate would be. Just days later,
0: we, of course, will put um, links in our show notes for this episode so you can help in the fight um, because it's important to know who to call sure. um, and, and where to raise your voice. So we will certainly put those uh, and have those available to all of our listeners. Hey, quick side note. I don't know about you and your friend group, but our friends, well, and we are too, are always looking for a great brunch spot. And I've got the perfect thing for you. It's our wonderful partners, colleagues and lovers in Habersham Village. They are now serving lunch. And yes, my friends, brunch on Saturday and Sunday. But check this out. Friday, Saturday and Sunday from 11 to 3. You can go to colleagues and lovers in Habersham Village and get a fabulous lunch. Yes, you can also get cocktails because that's how we roll in Savannah. Uh they've got bloody mary on the menu, mimosa on the menu and the other stuff, coffee, tea, iced tea, coke, you know. But more importantly the food. Let's talk about the salads. Balsamic beet salad, a chef salad and fabulous looking sandwiches. Five spice chicken, roast beef. Ooh, a good chicken salad sandwich, doesn't that sound nice? And of course they've got pasta, colleagues and lovers. But check this out, brunch on Saturday and Sunday. You can get pancakes, plain or blueberry and I love eggs benedict. Take your friends, make a date, you're going to love it. Colleagues and Lovers, 4523 Habersham Street, Habersham Village, colleaguesandloversavanna.com if you want to check out the lunch menu, the dinner menu, the brunch menu and more importantly, the drink menu. Um I would like to go back to February 10th and yes, <laughs> and and uh, and talk about uh, an unbelievable day. Um and, and February 10th, I, I recall just the energy of that day, um, and, and I can only imagine the energy that was leading up to it, uh, but the energy that day was just, you could feel it. You could feel it, you know, standing there. It, it was a huge day. It was, it was a huge day at, at Abercorn and Wayne Streets. Uh, there are hundreds and hundreds of people gathered to rename Calhoun Square uh, and formally dedicated to Susie King Taylor. Can I ask you, I saw you briefly and was able to to (laughs) hug you in in a moment of joy. Can I ask you what you were feeling that day? Bliss, just sheer bliss. It was
1: the manifestation of so many things coming to fruition that day. And uh, to see how it all came um, to be, there were numerous entities and persons and movements that were part of that. And I am just, um, as I expressed to you, I'm still in that moment of joy because it's long overdue, at least for me, um, having, you know, started this journey 15 years ago and then actually moving to the coast because um, in this very existential way, Susie King Taylor spoke to me and I and my husband decided to move to the Georgia coast in pursuit of uh, a dream that I had um, about ensuring that at least folks in my state know about her uh, and then making her a household name in our country and beyond. So that's been the focus of my work uh, around history and public history.
0: I, I remember hearing Mayor, Mayor Van Johnson um Speak on it several times, and I I loved this quote that so many people have picked up and and put out. I saw it on CNN too, and and mm-hmm. I just thought this is such a good this is such a good quote. I love what he said. He said, "It's one thing to make history; it's another thing to make sense." And in this case, we're making both. Absolutely, making history and making sense. Savannah is our
1: state's first city. Um, Susie King Taylor's ties to that city. Run really deep, and it is really where her life was transformed as an enslaved girl child, seven years old. It's there where she can ideate and visualize and conceive the possibility of freedom one day. And it takes place in Savannah. And that is what makes all of this so sweet. It's historical and it makes sense. Because as a girl child, she played throughout the streets near Bay Street and Broughton and South Broad. And she names all of those streets in her in her memoir, Reminiscences of My Life in Camp with the 33rd United States Colored Troops. And here we are all these years later, 170 plus years
0: 176. later. 176.
1: I did the math. Yes. <laughs> years later that... We, as a state, as a community, we are coming into knowledge of just how important she was and that she really felt that people would forget about her, Mm. which is why she wrote this book. And now um, her name has been etched in stone, if you will, uh, in perpetuity, we hope. Um, And I like the fact that Calhoun has not disappeared. He's parallel to uh, there are these two parallel stories, mm-hmm. uh, and so as I stated on that day, um, one of uh, the famous sayings in Civil War stories is "bottom rail on top, massa," That means the slave has turned the rail, and we are recognized in terms of our humanity, in terms of our freedom. In terms of our right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Uh, and so bottom rail is on top. This slave girl uh, who, who was in uh, on the streets of Savannah, living in Savannah with her grandmother. this this square has been named to, to honor her and not only to honor her, but to honor the thousands and thousands of nameless, African-American, formerly enslaved Gullah Geechee people who uh, were the backbone, the labor that made Savannah what it is today in terms, not just in terms of history and culture, but in terms of the built environment. We were talking about real estate in terms of uh, you know the Savannah gray bricks and the buildings that are still here. Savannah, our hostess city, is known for that kind of beautiful historic character, and it all happened on the backs of enslaved people. That's right, bottom rail on top, massive.
0: 1848, I believe, uh, Susie King Taylor was born. Yes, and she was born Susanna Baker, mm-hmm. and and then later got married. There there are moments in the history that I read about Susie King Taylor that just stick in my mind and I visualize it and I picture it. And I woke up the other morning and I had been having a dream about Susie King Taylor. And what I was picturing was her brother, her and her brother mm-hmm. walking to Mrs. Woodhouse's house. Yes. Um, in historic Savannah. Mm-hmm. And I believe somewhere off of Price and mm-hmm. Habersham. Mm-hmm. And around nine o'clock every day, walking to see Mrs. Woodhouse, where they were secretly getting schooled Mm -hmm. and being able to learn, having to cover up their books, having to hide so that no one would know that's what they were doing, spending the day at, at Mrs. Woodhouse and then trying to leave quietly one by one, meeting in a square with other Mm -hmm. children to be able to wait for them and walk and have it all in such a secret way. But the education piece Mm -hmm. was so important Mm -hmm. for Susie King Taylor. Yes. And that she got that, that seems like such a pivotal time. And I just keep picturing her at that age. Your thoughts on that. Sure. Sure. I think that, um, uh, a seven-year-old
1: girl with her her brother and uh, other uh, other scholars uh, on their way to these clandestine schools. Um, it speaks to how um, antebellum society, children growing up into antebellum society, um, learned how to, I would say, adjust to society. In the Gullah Geechee culture, there's this phrase, and the phrase is playing fool to catch smart. You play fool to catch smart. And it simply means we do whatever it is we need to do to disguise our goals and get them done under, under the, the slave owner's nose, mm. Uh, and so they knew very early how to play fool and catch smart. You know, she's 50 something years old when she's writing this, but it's almost like you're there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're there with her at Mrs. Woodhouse in School, you know, uh, covering up her books. And 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 you you visualize the environment because she's talking about these laurel leaves and how they would snap them and play with them. And they're just frolicking again as kids, Uh, but they are there because enslaved children were expected to learn a task. They were expected to, if you're going to work in a domestic setting, um, you had to learn a a task that was, whether it was, um, you know, place settings, uh, working as a domestic servant or you know, whatever um, was required in the domestic sphere of white homes. And so Mrs. Woodhouse was a free woman of color. And Susie is and and other playmates are there to learn through their trade. But they're also playing fool to catch smart because uh, from my uh, historical imagination, they're looking out also. They're paying attention to who's observing them. Right. They're paying attention to who's watching us. You know, we can't do too much until we get outside of this far up the road in the square and we can laugh at them because we, we ain't been learning no trade. We've been learning some reading, writing, and arithmetic.
0: That's right. Yeah. We've been learning all the things. That's right. Right. That's right. Wow. I, 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 I think about what must have been going through her mind, mm-hmm. her brother's mind, mm-hmm. her grandmother's mind, her yeah. grandmother, such a, a a monumental person in her life. I mean, and I think about my grandmother yes. and I think about grandmothers mm-hmm. and just the the grit that is there, the power that is there to say, this is what we're going to do. And well, yeah, it's
1: like, um uh, you know, I guess she was a doting grandmother, big mama, just like anybody else. My my mom called her mother Ma, and she called her grandmother. Uh, she called her yeah, she called her mother Ma, and she called her grandmother Muddy. Mm. And so, um, Susie's Muddy, Dolly, um, is a is a huge influence in her life. Um, She is um, the reason, she is Susie King Taylor's raison d'etre. Uh, her reason for being, her reason that we even know anything about her now, because of her desire as a wa- washerwoman, a laundry woman, creating these networks of uh, social networks in Savannah. And she herself was enslaved. But, you know, there's something about somebody washing your dirty drawers. <laughs> There's something there's something about somebody knowing your secrets, you know, through laundry. Right. Uh, These are intimate moments Mm -hmm. that she's creating with these people. And from what we see from Susie King Taylor's book, uh, Reminiscences, she has developed relationships with people who are free. She herself is not free and they trust her. And. they create these opportunities for her. So not only is it Mrs. Woodhouse, but it's also, we know her now as Mother Matilda Beasley, but Mary uh, Matilda Beasley was a, a, a woman of color who also could learn to, who also was teaching her to read and write. She perhaps was a Creole woman from Louisiana. It's It's assumed that she was. Um, but then, you know, two of her teachers mm-hmm. are young white kids whom her grandmother has created a relationship with their mothers, their parents under the and, and their their parents are playing fool and catching smart, too, That's right. because <laughs> she says you had to promise not to tell my father mm-hmm. that, you know, that we're teaching you how to learn to read and write and uh so Dolly is responsible for all that. my dear Dolly is responsible for that and um as as she states you know in uh, eighteen eighty nine I believe she was so saddened her mother uh, her uh, her grandmother had um requested her to come back to Savannah because she was getting feeble, and she knew she was going to die, and she wanted to see her grandmother one last time, one last time mm. And so she comes back to Savannah, um, because she wanted to see her grandmother. She was very important to her, as her mother was also. But it's her grandmother who had these secret magical powers, um, as and she they do <laughs> right. And she used them. She worked her magic yeah, uh, here in the streets of Savannah. Um, this little old washerwoman, I can only imagine like my great-great-grandmother who would carry her woven basket on her head filled with all of the clothes that she had to wash because she was a domestic servant, but she took her her laundry back to her house, washed them, ironed them, and then she took them back to the white families uh, that they belong to. But I can imagine Susie King Taylor's grandmother, you know, walking the streets of Savannah with her loads of clothes. Perhaps they were on her head or what have you. And, um, you know, people just looking at her rather unassuming. And that that's what she wanted. She right. didn't want to be like known. She wanted to be unassuming because she was doing something that was illegal. Mm -hmm. Something for which she and those free women of color and those white children and their mother could have been punished for. Because we have to remember that um, part of the slave code was that enslaved people, it was against the law for them to read and write.
0: Which is... Hard to think about and to wrap your mind around mm-hmm. until you see it in context of someone's life and their their walk in their everyday. Mm-hmm. It brings it to life, then you yeah. know, and it, and it 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 does so many things. And I, I you've talked about um, her book. Talk a little bit about what the book is, what it's representative of. It's it's really special to have her words. Available to all of us. Really special. It It is. And and
1: the thing about it, Dee, is that uh, reminiscences of my life in camp with the 33rd United States Colored Troops, late first South Carolina volunteers. It's the shortest book I've ever read in my life. <laughs> it's 82 pages with the smallest little letters. So it's even less than 82 pages because that's double sided. Um, it's the smallest book, shortest book but is chock full of vivid details about her life here in Georgia and those pivotal moments like, you know, the secret schools in Savannah and the war and her Boston years. And um, I, I just love it. And when I first read it in like 2009, I was shocked. I had traveled to Savannah for business Thousands of times. And when I read it, I was like, this is all about Georgia, Savannah, you know, the coastal area, the Civil War, because I worked in the Civil War Center at Kennesaw State University. And I was like, holy smoke. What? <laughs> right. What? I mean, I am a Georgia born and bred. And listen, I know everything there is to know about Harriet Tubman and Sojourner Truth and Clara Barton, who started at the American Red Cross. But I had never heard anything about Susie King Taylor, and she's from my home state. And I decided that I wanted to do something about this. I might have been a little wacky because what I wanted to do was I wanted to do it full-time and give up my good paying academic job, uh, to take this show on the road, as they say.
0: But when a calling happens, there's something that just pulls you to say, I've got to answer the call. Otherwise I will regret it.
1: You said it, sister. You said it. It was a calling that was so strong, so compelling um that i decided to resign i resigned from my position and i sat down and developed a plan as to you know where what i would do um you know called universities in new york and chicago los angeles uh, folks that i knew from you know work and travel and said hey you know i have this really you know great lecture on this person that you need to know about and um that's when it all began. But I, you're right. I didn't want to live with any regrets. And that's essentially how I live my life. But I knew that um, to whom much is given, much is required. Mm. If you know better, you do better. That's right. Um, that I couldn't just after I read it, I couldn't just let it stay on my library shelf. Um and, you know, like I said, I resigned and, you know, you know, strategized about, you know, how I would move forward with this beautiful story. And um, it happened in 2017. I'd reached out to a person that I had not spoken to um, since 12 years prior. So that's two, five, 2005. I didn't even know the person. I only met the person once. And it happened to be the chairman of the board of commissioners in Liberty County. Okay. And uh, I reached out to him through LinkedIn and said, hey, we met, you know, 2000, early 2000. Remember me? Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) And I (laughs) said, you know, have you heard about Susie King Taylor? I work at, you know, Kennesaw State University. Um, And she was born in Liberty Liberty County. County. She's a, a native daughter of Liberty County. And he said that he had only recently heard of her, like, you know, within months having heard of her. And he invited me to come down for Black History Month in 2017. And that was February 2017, almost to the day because it was February the 13th, 2017. And I came down, my husband and I came down. Um, I spoke at two high schools. We only have two high schools in Liberty County. So I spoke at both of them. And then I spoke at the African-American Community Center, which is a historic um, African-American school that was started during Reconstruction by the American Missionary Association and the Freedmen's Bureau. Um, And it was a school for newly free people. Uh, The teachers were uh, initially mostly white women from the North, and they were paid and compensated through um, philanthropists in the North. Um, And this school still stands to this day. Um, It's not the exact same structure because it burned down in the 18th. I'm sorry, the 1930s and the American Missionary Association decided to rebuild the school. So um, this historic uh, entity in the black community in Liberty County still exists. So I spoke there that night. Wow. Um, And when I get there it's standing room only. And I'm like, oh my God.
0: <laughs> no pressure. Right. right.
1: <laughs> uh, but it was really thrilling and exhilarating because they wanted to know the story mm. about someone who made it. We like a good story of someone who made it and she made it. And for the black community, we've heard all of these stories about How slaves enjoyed being slaves and um, they didn't, you know, they didn't want to run away. They, you know, all kinds of absurd stories. But here it is, how this seven-year-old girl, she comes here to Savannah. She's educated because after the war, two of the greatest desires for Black people was land for their own self-determination and education, land and schools. Right. And so here it is. This is a this is a, a story about a, a, a woman, a young girl who achieves education. And it, not only that, she escaped slavery through her through her own means of self-determination, along with her uncle and his family. You know, they are rescued by the Union Navy. And she writes about uh, I don't know if you got to the part where she writes about her escape. It's just so, so, so subtle. You know, we got into a boat and we landed at Saint Catherine's. This is an escape. This is how you would describe an escape. There's, you're right. There's no flashy headline. Right? She's so modest about it. This happened. Right, and this is like major. Yes. There's nobody to this date from our area to tell this kind of story, you know? And so um, getting back to that day of speaking to the audience in Liberty County, they were really elated to know that here was this exemplar, this this example of um, freedom Mm. that has been a tradition before the Emancipation Proclamation, that here is an example of resistance to enslavement. Here is an example of resiliency. Um, uh, The the human spirit being resilient and rising above enslavement. And it takes everything, it takes sacrifice because as you know, in the book, she says that, you know, my uncle and I, you know, we land, meaning they certainly were in a boat and they land at St. Catherine's Island. Who knows? If the patter rollers and the dogs, who knows, you know, uh, they didn't know if they would succeed, but they did. And so um, this story has become, her story, her book, has become a source of tremendous pride for Liberty Countians. Uh, my husband and I ended up, you know, after, after giving those presentations um, in 2017, I decided, um, you know, I've been, you know, I know the book backwards and forwards almost by word for word, but I said, since we're here, let's just go to Isle of Wight. It's a, it's a blink. It's a small aisle. So we go there, and you know, I'm a person of faith, yes. and uh, we we go there, and you know, my husband, you know, he's very supportive, and I love him for that, and so we're there, and you know, I just give the signal that you know, let's just be free on our own to, you know, kind of feel what this this environment is. And so we go to the Isle of Wight. There's a small park called Jones Creek and we go to Jones Creek and I'm just thinking about how everything in my life um, in the, you know, last several years is converging right there in this spiritual kind of way at Jones Creek. I'm like, you lived here you walked here. We're on Grest Island. She calls it Grest Farm, but it's Grest Island on Isle of White. Um, another family owned another part of the island. But I'm here. I'm on the place. I'm walking the, the, the land. I'm under the the same grandfather oak trees with their Spanish moss beards and the wind is blowing just like it is over this beautiful scenery behind you. The wind is blowing over the marsh and the, the water is just, you know, ebbing and flowing just a little bit. Just moving because the wind is just ever so slightly moving it. And I just am like, you know, this is the moment. This is the moment. And I have a religious epiphany. This is the place that's been calling me all of my life. This is where my life's work has landed me. And this is where I want to be. Mm. It just feels so right. It feels like home. I'm from Atlanta, which is my hometown. But this is the home of my heart. Mm. This is the home of my purpose, direction. This is, you know, my spiritual home. And so my husband, who's like, you know, he's doing something somewhere. But I'm looking around to see if he has felt what I have felt. Because the wind felt like the Holy Ghost. Right. The wind felt like the Holy Holy Spirit, just giving me a big hug, saying, welcome home. Here we are. Welcome home. And my husband, you know, he ain't felt nothing. Oh. That's going to be my next question. I, I asked him to come over and I'm I'm looking at him and I'm like, did you feel that? That would have been too easy, Hermina. To right.
0: Feel.
1: He said, feel what, Hermina? I said, did you feel the gentleness of this breeze? He said, I think everybody felt it. You know, it's just he and I. He's like, you know, this is something everybody would feel. And so I'm like, no, this was different than anything I've ever felt. And I'm looking at him just like I'm I'm looking at him just like I'm looking at you. It was something. He's like, no, hell no, no. Hell no, Mina. No. I was like, it's God. He said, I don't care who it is. We're not moving to this podunk town. There's no Walmart. There's no grocery store. There's no Target. There's no nothing. Right. Two high schools, no downtown, no nothing. You're asking me to leave a place of millions of people to come to this town. And you said the population is what? 2100 oh no <laughs> and um he's he's standing his ground mm. so we get in the car and we began we leave the town and we began driving back home to atlanta silence the entire way home but i'm in tears yes and he's driving looking at me like <laughs> these puppy dog tears <laughs> is not gonna <laughs> sway me <laughs> and uh, when we get home d i have already decided we're having a long distance marriage. Yes. Because I'm coming. This is where I'm going. So I didn't say anything, but my husband is a truck driver. And I'll tell you how fate works. The irony is that he's a truck. He was a truck driver. He still is. And his daily loads would be from Atlanta to Savannah every day. And he would drive back home to Atlanta. He drop the load and come from Atlanta, drop the load in Savannah, pick up a load and take it back to it to Savannah. And for two weeks, we hardly spoke. I was like, you know, what's there to talk about? I already know what I'm going to do. Right. So, you know, sometimes you just pick your battles. And I said nothing about it because in my heart, I know where my suitcases are. Mm -hmm. I know what I'm going to pack. Right. And so he comes to me after we've returned, maybe three weeks later. And he said, you're serious about this, aren't you? I said, yeah, I really am. I'm real serious about this. And he said, I know know you wouldn't joke about this experience that you have with the Holy Spirit. Let me see what I can do. So he goes to his boss a couple of days later. And he said, my wife and I, we're thinking about moving to the coast. Um, I drive to Savannah every day. Uh, If I move to the coast, can I just reverse my load? Take it from Savannah to Atlanta and come back. And they said, yes. Open door. Yes. There you go. And um, the Susie King Taylor Institute began to thrive at that point. We have conferences. Uh, we've, we were initially having annual conferences, but due to COVID, we changed it to biannual. And since 2007, it's been nonstop for me. Yes. Um, you know, for the last four or five years, it was all I did day and night. Um, and so it's a staple event in our town. Um, people from all around, all over the country, would come. And that's how I met Pat Gunn. Um, she attended the conference. Yes. And, um, you know, the rest is history, as they say, when it comes to the square. But that's my story of, you know, as a historian, being enamored by this really small, sweet little
0: 80. Page book. And here I am. Here you are. And yeah. continuing to tell her story. Absolutely. Um, which is just, it's amazing that, you know, when we have these opportunities to open up a platform to mm-hmm. share someone's story, mm-hmm. the ripple effect that it can have. Sure. And you're not just sharing this story in Savannah or coastal Georgia. You're sharing it all over the world. Yeah. Yeah. That is what is astounding because. The moment that you had when you read, started reading about Susie King Taylor the first time, where you were like, wait, what? Right. You're now giving that moment to other people around the world. What a special place for you to be in. Absolutely. As a historian, it it
1: really is. It, it's a special place. Um um, you don't get the kind of gift that we got last weekend um, being a historian. Usually it's, most of the time we're like in the background, nobody cares about history. Um, you know what? What is that? You know, um, but to have it come to the forefront like it has, um, as I, I um, got a text last night from um, the the commander of the Sons of Union Veterans of the Civil War in Boston, Massachusetts. Right. And um, there's a woman, uh, Susie King Taylor, the story goes that she ends up in Boston. So I've traveled there on several occasions that certainly in 2021, when she finally got a headstone for her grave, uh, um, they uh, uh, endorsed and paid for a headstone for her grave. Um, The Sons of Union Veterans of the Civil War um, were just amazing in uh, um, sponsoring that. But they called me last night to because it's Black History Month and um, they want to do something special around Susie King Taylor. And next month is Women's History Month. Oh, that's right. Yes. And uh, um, Commander Roderick was like, um, you know, you're the expert. Um, uh, We can't tell this story to a reporter without having you be a part of it. And so it's 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 centered in Savannah for sure, but it has branched out to everywhere and it it will continue to. I mean, now there's more involved in it with the entities that were behind um, uh, the renaming of the square in Savannah, Savannah and so many more. And so um, I think that, you know, a rising tide lifts all boats. That's right. Uh, and, um, it's all only, she's only going to be, um, lauded more and more. So,
0: yeah. I mean, you know, I think about, um, the things that are happening with the Susie King Taylor Institute, the mm-hmm. community school, I mm-hmm. think about, you know, now the square and, yeah. um, and, and I, I think about some of the, the, the folks that have been involved in, in this whole process. So many people involved, Mm -hmm. which is amazing. Um, how many people come together and raise their voices about all of this. And one thing I hear every now and then is this is just unbelievable and, and just so long in the making. And, and here we are comma, there is still work to be done. Absolutely. What is that work? Well,
1: let's back up a little bit. First of all, I would be, I would be remiss with uh, if I didn't say anything about the Susie King Taylor Museum. We are in partnership with the Liberty County Historical Society. They are the base for our Susie King Taylor permanent exhibit, and it's fantastic. We have worked with the National Park Service uh, on an application for an Underground Railroad designation. Um, the criteria for The National Park Service Underground Railroad designation is that you have to have proven that a person escaped. She escaped. She did. As subtly as she told it. As quietly as that was. It was an escape. (laughs) We landed. And so we've had uh, two meetings where they have visited the museum exhibit. And so the exhibit, we're working on getting a designation, um, an Underground Railroad designation for the exhibit. So I'm really happy about that, but to your question, uh, I think we need to remember that we're in the South. Uh, we need to remember that a lot of um, feelings, beliefs, they they don't die so easily here in the South. But for Savannah to take the lead on the kind of um, transformation that's needed in our society now. I mean, after George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery for sure here on the coast, mm-hmm. I think that many people across many diverse communities realize the um, the historical and systemic injustices that have taken place. They realize the erasure of a lot of history due to discrimination and racism. Savannah is a hostess city. It's an international city. Um, with that, the renaming of the square is the is the uh, part of um, the city's Um, representation to the world that, you know, we're a hostess city. As the mayor said that day, look at this group. This is what Savannah is. It was the diversity of black, white, everybody in between, LGBTQ plus, Uh, you know, uh, people with abilities and disabilities. It was a beautiful, beautiful sight. It was a beautiful sight. I mean, being on stage and looking out, I was in awe of the support, the people who took time out of their Saturday and thought it not robbery to come to that event You and Megan were there and so many other people were there. It was a beautiful, beautiful representation of what Savannah is and what our country can be because so many people came together. Now, what happens going forward? How do we keep this momentum engaging around the issues, engaging around the issue of justice? Equality, equity, diversity, and also um, in conservation, we use the concept of D.E.I.B., D.E.I.J.B., diversity, equity, inclusion, justice and belonging. Yes, we belong. We're humans. We're humans. We belong, we're social beings. We belong together. This skin color, this is just a construct. It's it's not, you know, as deep as we think it is. This is a shell. But so many beautiful hearts came together that day. Mm. Now it is, you know, what role do we want to play in creating and continuing to create this progressive movement in which Savannah becomes truly a city for all? You know, there's a there are some issues. There's the issues of houselessness for people being houseless and um, not being able to um, have a good quality of life. You know, uh, they have increased the minimum wage. But there are people who are third, fourth, fifth generation Savanians who can't afford to live in Savannah. That's right. And so these are issues um, that this, I hope that all of us will come together and be a part of the kind of equity and justice that is needed in the city. And so, you know, the movement doesn't, I hope the movement doesn't die. And I, I feel really good about, uh, you know, what is happening. As the mayor said, you know, um, this is a place, that that site is for everybody. And Savannah has been really progressive in a lot of ways. So I'm hoping that the movement and the momentum of this movement Continues because that was a magnificent, magnificent feat, and that day mm. was so high energy. I mean, you were there; it was so high energy. I almost had to pinch myself to see if it was real. Right, right. This is happening in the South. Andre three thousand said the South got something to say. That's Savannah right. has said it and responded to that. That's right. And so I just think that it's, uh, it was, it's an incredible moment and it's an incredible opportunity to keep that momentum going forward.
0: I, one of the, the biggest, you know, f- feelings I had that day was on the walk from the car where we ended up parking. I can't tell you, it was a, a ways away because mm-hmm. there was so many people. So we parked a ways away and on the walk, we're sort of at a, at a quick, sprint to make sure we get, you know, get there. And, and on the walk, so many people were rushing to the square. And it was as if we were all, we were all rushing and rushing and rushing. And all we wanted to do was get in the presence of what was happening for us to feel and be a part of, to take in. And then I saw people just, you know, just reaching and and climbing to get just to touch, you know, Taylor Square. Mm-hmm. Just to touch mm-hmm. the words, be to have some physical connection to what was happening. Mm-hmm. It was one of those moments where if you missed it, oh my goodness, yes, yes, it you, was something. It was just something. <laughs> it was. It was just. I mean, it was just on you. Yes, and in you, mm-hmm. and you know. I know you're you're a, a woman of faith, as am I. I know we mm-hmm. have a, a spiritual connection. Yeah, and, yeah. Your granddaddy was a preacher, right? And my dad. Yeah, and, yeah. And my uncle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so I wonder, a uh, question that I, I thought about asking you that day, I wonder if you felt Susie King Taylor, the presence there, I wonder what you felt that day as far as on a spiritual Level.
1: Yeah. What came to me and it's coming to me now is uh, the scripture that weeping may endure for a night, mm. but, but joy, joy comes, comes in the, in the morning. morning. So I was wearing a sari. And on the sari is the title of my upcoming book. And Susie says, I don't know if you remember this phrase. And it's when she realizes uh, when she has escaped and she's about to be rescued and the ship comes to St. Catherine's Island because they, you know, they are part of what's called the um, um, they are a a part of the Anaconda Plan, uh, which the. War Department has issued to protect the coast from any rebels coming in or out getting supplies from like Britain or France or, you know, anybody getting out. Because at this point, the war is about not just unifying the North and the South under one flag, the American flag. It's now about freedom. It's now about 1619 up until 1861. It's about, it's about 1862 because she escapes in 62. It's now about Black folks. It's about 4 million people under the bondage of slavery. Generations having only known that. Generations holding on to as much as they can about the memory of our homeland, Africa. Cultural experiences, religion, because we brought all these things with us. At, we weren't just, our ancestors weren't these empty vessels that were waiting for, you know, these colonizers to inculcate us with capitalism and, you know, labor exploitation. They were mathematicians and scientists. They were geniuses. And uh, the people who were captured were not just randomly captured. They were the best in African society because they had to know how to work the land. They had to know agriculture, That's right. science, tides, ocean, they knew all of this. So here it is Susie King Taylor, young Susie. She's on St. Catherine's Island. These ships are toing and froing up and down the coast because they are not letting any of the Confederates out. I mean, you know that on in in Darien, there was a skirmish in Darien, uh, there's a skirmish in uh, Savannah and in Florida. Uh And so, you know, she and her folks, they're really hiding out on St. Simon, uh, St. Catherine's Island because they don't know, you know, if if a ship is going to stop. Right. They don't know, you know, if they're going to be rescued. So they're hiding out among people on St. Catherine's Island. But one day, one day, a ship stopped. And that's when they, they make their, their, their move. And she says, you know, the, the ship stopped at um, um, St. Catherine's Island and her family and others, because we have to remember there were many others. Um, the, the Union Navy invited him aboard um, USSP is what she calls it. Mm. And they are on, they're, they're on the ship, this massive ship, this naval ship, warship. And here in Savannah, There were all kinds of stories. I don't know if you recall, she says that there were white people that were tacking flyers on the wall saying that, you know, the Yankees are devils and they're snakes. And her grandmother tells her, you know, hush up, no such thing. But on St. Catherine's Island, the Yankees are aboard the ship. The Yankees are symbolic of freedom. And she says... I don't see no snakes. I don't see no devils. I don't see nothing. And she goes to my unbounded joy. I see a Yankee. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's the title of my book. That's how I felt on that day. Mm. I was filled with tremendous joy. To capture her freedom as a sense of joy. You know, that's what every
0: human being wants. That's right. Uh,
1: and to capture it that way, um, joy is, is, is what she felt. Through my many years of researching and digging deep into uh, this really small book, I felt the presence of joy. And I, I felt her presence. Mm. because that's the quote in the book that's that resonates with me every single day
0: yeah i i felt that in the in the brief moment i was able to to grab you and hug you that yes day. i mean so, you were in the middle of the street I and just, we hugged. thank did. you so much for I, that i i just i i was i was scanning for you and i finally i just felt i just i knew there was this joy and i just wanted to just experience it with you for two seconds and we didn't even have to talk about anything. It was just joy. It was just joy.
1: It was. Thank you so much for that, Dee.
0: It was beautiful. It was. It was absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Speaking of books, I cannot wait for yours um, as I hold my breath for it.
1: Yes I, yes. I
0: hope that it is coming soon. It
1: is coming soon. We are self-publishing and we're working with an editor. So we're really excited about how it's coming along um, you know, using Susie's a uh, book as a template about you know the details. So there's a lot of scholarship and research about Wiley, yes. George Wiley, whom yeah. she mentions in her book. Um, these really details that's from like um, that she gives clues because she gives clues that make you want to hunt for other answers to questions that she She didn't ask. She opens all these doors to go down. (laughs) So that has been uh, my goal, is to open all of those doors. So I've traveled to almost uh, up and down every street that she's ever gone. All the streets around Bay Street, um, the old courthouse, um, where George Wiley's uh, auction was, and other places, the schools, where their secret schools were. Um, I've researched, you know, the families of, um, Katie O'Connor, her young white, uh, teacher, if mm-hmm. you will, uh, research her family and James Bloy, his family, and uh, um, certainly the other teachers um, to, to really pack it, pack the book with details about um, um, and fill in the, uh, the spaces that she didn't fill. So I'm really excited about it. And I think that you all are going to enjoy it. Oh, so I cannot you'll wait. You'll get one of the first copies. Thank you. I cannot wait. <laughs> yes. I cannot wait.
0: And you even had a have a children's book, Happy Birthday, Susie. Happy
1: Birthday, Susie. What a
0: wonderful gift for children to be exposed, you know, it's such a just innocent, tender time, mm-hmm. to be exposed to this story and this hero in our lives. Right.
1: And I chose a birthday because every child can relate to a birthday. That's right. And of course, her birthday is August the 6th. 1848, and it is a uh, a work of fiction, but I've I have woven real life experiences and details into it, and it's about uh, this a fictional story of her preparing for her birthday, and um, I I thought about. So I am from Atlanta and um, my my beginnings were were very meager beginnings. And there were times my, my mom was a single mother. We lived in public housing in Atlanta. And there were times when we didn't always get a birthday present. And you wanted to be sad, but mama's doing the best that she can. So, you know, you, you learn to cope. You know, she's doing the best that she can. You know, we don't ask. We didn't ask for, you know, anything that our mother couldn't afford that would be a burden to her. And so but but our birthdays were really special. And it was really sad when we got nothing. Uh, and so but the nothing turned out to be a part of my mom sort of like playing fool for us to catch smart. Ah, because yes. it'd be like even if it was just a cupcake at the end of the day when she got my mom work two jobs every day of my high school life. Uh, and so when she would get home uh, one occasion, yeah, I thought I would get nothing.
0: But here she, she woke
1: me up with a cupcake. Aww. And so the children's book, you know, is this sense of anticipation about Susie waiting for her birthday. I don't think that there is another children's story in which the main character is an enslaved child. And I don't think that, You know, that's something that, you know, in general, we've thought about, you know, slave children and their birthdays. What did they get on their birthdays? Did they know their birthdays many times? They did not know when they were born. Um, And so um, this was a way of telling her story through um, something as wonderful and jovial and exciting and full of anticipation as a child waiting for their birthday. So I love that, it. Yeah. I, I so we've it. traveled to, we've done it at the Jepson, we've done it at libraries, we've done it at other places. But yeah, it's something that we're really proud of. Happy birthday, Susie. Uh, it's,
0: yeah, it's. Uh, I love it. Uh, you have such a gift, Hermina, of opening up our minds and our hearts to conversations that are just. You know, you think about them in a way of like, oh, I've never thought about it that way, and and to be able to have that uh, with a child, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just to have them talk about something. This okay. is so important to talk about, but maybe no one has ever brought it up or they've right. never had it brought up in a certain way that made sense right. to them on their level on, at their age uh, is to, you have a gift for that. And it's, Thank you. it's, it's a beautiful Thank thing. You. I'm glad you follow your callings. All yes, the time.
1: <laughs> yes. And I'm a mother. I have two adult children, but I also have two grandchildren. I have a, uh, and 11 year old granddaughter, or 12 year old granddaughter, she'd kill me for that. Oh, whoops. A 12 year old <laughs> granddaughter and a three year old, her sister is three years old. Wow. And so, you know, um, I run things past them to, you know, what do you think about them? So, Nana, that's not going to work. <laughs> uh, but their birthdays, they love their
0: birthdays. So, yeah. you make them special. Yeah. That, yeah. Like. So, you're Nana.
1: Yes, I am I Nana. I love that. I am Nana. I love
0: yeah. that. That's yeah. sweet. Nana you. with the
1: blue hair. That's right. That's right. <laughs> there, uh, My my 12-year-old granddaughter, Her, I met some of her playmates. I took them to the Georgia Aquarium. And when they got out of the car, they were like, that's your Nana with blue hair? <laughs> she was like, yeah,
0: she's just like that. <laughs> <laughs> well i'm hoping to one day be a grandma with the mohawk yes, so yes. I, you know I, I i officially have claimed a title even though we, I, we don't have grandchildren yet i'm gonna, right. i'm gonna claim momaw for yes I don't exactly know, just, we were I don't know. mohawk twins at yes, once we remember were. yeah we were we had yeah. we had connection on so that's many right levels, indeed and i've enjoyed it um i cannot thank you enough for sitting down and sharing your Your story and your, your life and, and your expertise. And I I really think you're such a gift, uh, to all of us. And I'm so glad that I've had the opportunity to, to get to know you. And I can't wait to find another show to have you on soon. So, um, thank you for sitting down with us.
1: Thank you for having me. And thank you for being a really good friend. Mm -hmm. Thank you. That means a lot. Thank you so much.
0: Who's looking for a fun night out? I'm always raising my hand for that. It's about that time of year when we'll have some family coming into town. And of course, you want to entertain them with something new and totally fun. Well, we have just the thing. Savannah's best live music and theater experience. It's Savannah Cabaret. And you're in luck. Tickets are now on sale for the production of Mel Brooks' Young Frankenstein at SavannahCabaret.com. Tickets are on sale, savannahcabaret.com. This production is gonna be everything but you need to reserve your tickets because they will sell fast, I promise you that. The show runs April 18th through May 5th. Go ahead and get your tickets now before they sell out. Based on the classic 1974 movie, it's the hilarious show that tells the story of Dr. Frankenstein's grandson, Frederick, who is struggling to create his own legacy separate from his family's name. It's going to be a monstrous good time on Jefferson Street in historic Savannah. A fabulous cast and a laugh out, Loud, great time, but only if you have tickets. SavannahCabaret.com. And later this year, we've got time-traveling drag queens in the 1960s. Maybe a little case of the cabaret killer. Doesn't that sound fun? Go get your tickets at SavannahCabaret.com. That's SavannahCabaret.com. This season, we're so proud to partner up with a trendsetter and a trend breaker in Savannah's historic district, the incomparable bar and restaurant that hits all the marks and sits right at 102 East Liberty Street. I'm talking about Savoy Society. You know, we fell in love with this downtown hotspot well before we even moved here, and it's captured our hearts even more as locals. Now, it's my favorite spot to grab a lemon drop martini. Mm hmm. Hands down, best place to get a lemon drop martini. And I even like to try something new on occasion, like a sourdough flatbread, a slider, maybe even a new cocktail if I'm living dangerously. But don't even get me started on Megusta Mondays and the hot honey margarita, because once I tried that, mmm. Savoy Society, seriously, you had me at vinyl and wicker. The long bar, the cozy sofas. Oh, and the pickled deviled eggs and the mini hot dogs with the tots it's a whole vibe if you google it you'll see the popular opinion is the bartenders are just lovely that's an understatement they're really genuinely amazing stop by savoy and tell them you heard about them on the made of savannah podcast savoy society sav sav if you're looking for them on instagram also savoysociety.com check out the full menu Thanks for listening to the Made of Savannah podcast. Do us a favor, write us a review, give us a rating. Make sure you subscribe or follow the podcast and share this podcast with someone you know. Follow us on Instagram at Made of Savannah and a huge thanks to our sponsors, Savoy Society, Colleagues and Lovers, and the fabulous Savannah Cabaret. If you or someone you know has a great Savannah story to tell, be sure to get in touch with us. We would love to hear it. The welcome mat is always out.